I'm Larry Langford with the Rusty Spur Ranch in Grapeland, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It is always good to be with you for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we're getting a few more scattered rain showers around Texas here this week. And of course, we'll take every drop that we can get as dry as we are It's going to take a lot of rain to get us through this crop season. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. An unhappy combination for Texas High Plains livestock producers, feed costs are high, and pasture conditions are poor. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The U.S. Meat Export Federation comes to Texas to talk about red meat exports around the globe. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have comments from the Texas Beef Council on the meeting in San Antonio on Texas Ag Today. There's a grim forecast for the Texas wheat crop and for the global wheat crop. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Much of Texas has gotten some rainfall over the past two weeks, and the forecast looks good for the possibility of more this week. But Sean Wade with Plains Cotton Growers in Lubbock says it's going to take a lot of rain to make this 2022 cotton crop. Every bit of rain that we get uh, is is very welcome. The vast majority of the High Plains is still um, in a situation uh, that's extremely dry. And, you know, we're going to need a lot of rainfall uh, to, you know, to get the soil into some shape uh, to where we would have, you know, an opportunity to, I guess, really have a chance to make a dryland crop uh, in this region. You know, the irrigated crops are, are going to struggle as well in these conditions if we don't, you know, really start picking up that rainfall as well. And like most farmers, Wade is optimistic that Mother Nature will come through this year. You know, we're, we're just lucky, I guess, to, to be here and be in the game. And we're hopeful that uh, this week, We've got some rain chances in the in the forecast, and maybe that's the start of of just that next rainy spell. And you know, we're certainly going to keep our fingers crossed that uh, that we can you know start to you know switch the course on this ship as quickly as we can. That's Sean Wade, director of policy and analysis at Plains Cotton Growers. The city of Amarillo is trying to lure a new beef packing plant to Texas. The city council approved a package of incentives last week for a company called Producer Owned Beef LLC, which is looking to build a new plant. Amarillo is one of several cities the company is looking at. Wherever they build the plant, they expect to employ 1,600 workers with an estimated $75 million payroll. 
USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack says he's confident Mexico will continue to allow imports of U.S. biotech corn under USMCA trade rules, despite Mexico's plans to ban the corn by 2024. Vilsack told the Senate Agriculture Committee he's taken personal charge of the biotech corn issue with Mexico. I recently had a conversation directly with the president of Mexico about this issue of corn, and I'm confident that exports of corn that, that your farmers and farmers across the country are relying on are going to continue. Vilsack has said in the past that the Mexican ban on biotech corn would only apply to corn use for human consumption. He says feed-grade biotech corn would still be allowed. The next Farm Bill field hearing is coming up in June. Senate Ag Committee Chair Debbie Stabenow and Ranking Member John Bozeman of Arkansas say the next field hearing will be held in Bozeman's home state of Arkansas on Friday, June 17th. The hearing is designed to get input from agricultural producers and stakeholders as the process of writing the next Farm Bill gets underway. Feed costs are high and pasture conditions are poor. James Hunt tells us this makes an unhappy combination for Texas High Plains cattle producers. In yesterday's report, we talked about the good marketing opportunities area farmers are getting from high grain prices. But those grain prices cut the other way. When you look at things from a Texas High Plains livestock producer's point of view, AgriLife economist Justin Benavidez says those who raise cattle have a greater than normal incentive to delay sending their animals to the feed yard. Every pound that you add in the pasture is relatively cheaper to add than a pound in the feed yard on a normal year, but it suddenly just became a lot more valuable because the price of grain skyrocketed. And so those calves that you have to feed less have actually had their prices remain a lot more stable. So if you can get your calves a little bit heavier, you're gonna see a, a premium over if you sell them at a lightweight because grains are so high. But I understand that's a struggle because hay is hard to find. It's expensive when you do find it. And our pasture conditions are pretty poor. Yes, even though we've been having a few rains around the region lately, forage remains a big concern. And so, Dr. Benavidez says, with dry conditions expected through the fall, cattle raisers need to make sure the animals they want to keep are well taken care of, but also remove from the herd the ones that are providing lesser returns on investment. So if you've got a cow that produces low weaning weights historically, if you've got a cow that is structurally unsound, who has less long-term potential, if you've got a cow who is not necessarily the easiest to handle even, and it costs you time and money in order to work her, manage her, access her calf to doctor the calf or whatever the case may be, those are the ones you want to start thinking strategically about. If you'd like advice on herd management, contact your local extension agent. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The U.S. Meat Export Federation held its annual spring meeting here in Texas. Tom Nicoletti was there. Reporting from San Antonio with my guest, South Texas uh, beef producer Zach Yanta from Carnes County. He is representing Texas Farm Bureau and the Texas Beef Council at the U.S. Meat Export Federation Spring Conference. And Zach, uh, USMEF uh, Spring Conference was in the Alamo City recently. Why was it important to hold this meeting in Texas? Well, I think it gives the Texas Beef Council and beef industry here in Texas a representation to showcase what we've done with collaboration between the Beef Council and how we promote Texas beef industry here. It's it's always good to have people come and meet and build relationships to further our industry. 
And certainly there's a wide cross-section of attendees at this meeting, uh, feed grain uh, folks, processors, beef producers, uh, importers, and exporters. Yes, I think that's what, for me, makes it even more interesting because uh, I get to see personally other facets of the beef industry and, and the ancillary people that support our industry that we can't get along without them and it's a reciprocal beneficial type of business that we all feed off of one another's business. Now you are currently a board member with the Texas Beef Council so what's that relationship between TBC and USMEF? Well it's been uh, gosh for I think uh, about three decades we've had a relationship with the USMEF and in the past we've taken uh, the Beef Council has has with the USMEF taken quite a few trade missions to different countries to promote our products for U.S. beef and also, of course, uh, Texas beef. That is South Texas Cattle Rancher and Texas Beef Council board member Zach Yanta. I'm Tom Nicolotti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas wheat harvest is underway, but the results are nothing to get excited about. Gary Joyner has more. Texas wheat farmers had said their winter wheat crop was suffering. Now, a USDA forecast confirms it. Texas wheat production is forecast at 41.6 million bushels. That's down 44% from last year. Yield per acre is forecast at 32 bushels. That's five bushels below 2021. Harvested acreage for grain at 1.3 million acres is down 35% from the previous year. U.S. production is also lower. U.S. winter wheat production is forecast at 1.17 billion bushels, down 8% from 2021. The U.S. yield is forecast at 47.9 bushels per acre, down 2.3 bushels from last year. The world's wheat crops are also under threat. Production in Ukraine, one of the world's biggest growers of wheat, will fall by one-third compared to last year. Other major producers are battling drought, floods, and heat waves. In all, global stockpiles are expected to dwindle to a six-year low. It's a tough year for wheat here in Texas and in many spots around the world. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. Researchers in Texas are hard at work trying to discover what's causing the southern flounder population to decline, and Texas anglers can help. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And the summer heat came early this year, and that could have an effect on performance horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The summer heat came early this year, and that could have an effect on horses. Dr. Bob Judd says horse owners should be familiar with exhausted horse syndrome. 
And the University of Kentucky indicates in the horse publication that exhausted horse syndrome refers to multiple conditions when horses become fatigued. Some affected horses appear stiff or weak, while others develop a decrease in energy or appetite. In serious cases, heart arrhythmias, shock, muscle damage, colic, and diarrhea can develop. And horses that are underconditioned are more likely to have the syndrome, performing in endurance events in the hot and humid summer Texas weather. Exhaustion has multiple causes, including heat, electrolyte imbalance, and energy stores. Heat must be removed from the body by sweat and air movement. And if this does not occur, the core body temperature increases and sweat contains large amounts of electrolytes that are lost. The primary energy source for muscles is stored glycogen. And once the glycogen is depleted with exercise, exercise will slow or stop. If you are riding and think your horse may have exhausted horse syndrome, stop immediately and do not move your horse and call your veterinarian. Cool your horse by running large volumes of water over the entire body and intravenous fluids may be required to cool the animal. If the GI tract is functioning, giving fluids with a tube through the nose can also help with cooling, provided the horse is not having colic symptoms. If the horse has colic symptoms and abnormal gut sounds, the stomach should remain empty. Exhaustion can be prevented with proper training, nutrition, supplementation of electrolytes, and allowing time for the horse to become acclimated to a new environment. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Researchers here in Texas are hard at work trying to discover what's causing the southern flounder population to decline. Jessica Domel tells us Texas anglers can help. If you bag a flounder in the coastal bend over the next couple of months, don't be surprised if a researcher or two stops you to ask a few questions about your catch. It's all part of a research project hosted by the Center for Sport Fish Science and Conservation to learn more about southern flounder in Texas. Southern flounder can be found from North Carolina all the way down to the southernmost tip of Texas and sometimes northern Mexico. Since the Texas coast is the very edge of their range, the flounder here are living in one of the most extreme environments that they're able to survive in. Quentin Hall, angler engagement coordinator for the center, says because of this, they've always watched flounder closely. Since they are on that edge of their range, just a little change in the environment or something like that could be enough to really tip the population over. Just like in other parts of the southern flounder's range, flounder populations here have been declining for years. And because of their flat shape, it is harder for the species to come back from population loss. Some of the sacrifices that they've had to make, evolutionarily speaking, to lay a flat is the fact that their body cavities are very small. They have to stuff all their organs in this really, really tiny little area, and it doesn't leave a lot of room for egg development during the spawning season. And so a flounder may only lay 300,000 eggs a year. There are many unknowns when it comes to southern flounder because they don't follow a classic life history model for fish. And up until now, there really hasn't been a lot of focus on flounder because they're not technically considered a sports fish. So now researchers are trying to get more information on southern flounder while simultaneously trying to figure out why their populations are declining. We'll have more on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market headed higher on Wednesday while the grain markets dropped lower. Jessica will be back with a complete look at all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. 
Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. back looking at another lopsided matchup Jim. today we have a combine taking on a train yeah that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine no competition there right especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train that's 18 football fields it's no contest every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings see tracks think train this message brought to you by operation lifesaver We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex rallied on Wednesday after a slow start to the week Tuesday after the Memorial Day holiday. June live cattle were up two dollars and twenty-seven cents to one thirty-two eighty. August live cattle up two fifty-two to one thirty-two ninety. October live cattle up a dollar seventy-five to one thirty-seven ninety. The feeder cattle market was supported by corn trading lower on Wednesday as well as coming back from that lower close on Tuesday. August feeder cattle up $4.60 to $169.72. September feeder cattle up $4.27 to $172.40. October feeder cattle up $4.07 to $174.77. Boxed beef was mixed. Choice down 23 cents to 267.31. Select up 81 cents to 249.46. Now let's take a look at the livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Auctioneer Troy is ready to sell some cattle for us, so let's let him help us do it at Lexington Livestock Commission Company, Lexington, Texas. They sell on Saturday. Russell Heller, how was that last Saturday sale? Yes, sir. Had a good sale, 580 total head with 117 cows. Walk the pins with us, please. All right. Thinner packer cows, 30 to 56, and the better cows, 57 to 87. On the steering bull calves, 3 to 400 pounds, 120 to $2. 4 to 5 weights, 115 to 190. 5 to 6 weights, $1.10 to 180. 6 to 7 weights, $1.05 to 160. 7 to 8 weights, $1 to 150. On the heifers, 3 to 400 pounds, 115 to 185. 4 to 5 weights, $1.10 to 180. 5 to 6 weights, $1.05 to 165. 6 to 7 weights, $1 to 150. 7 to 8 weights, 95 to 135. Good. What was the count? 580. How many cows did you have? 117. How did the cow price uh, shape up this week as opposed to last? Uh, it was probably a couple of dollars cheaper than the week before. All right. What was your response to your calves and yearlings from the buyers? Yes, sir. I mean, it was still a good active market, and everybody was wanting to buy a few of them. Do you know of anything for this Saturday? Uh, yes, I do. One guy's going to have about 20 or 30 older short and solid mouth cows that'll be bred, and another guy's going to have probably 30 or 40 wing calves coming off some ryegrass. Well, you got to start with some cows and calves and some calves, so tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Yes, sir, you can get me on my cell, and that number is 979-820-7002. We appreciate it, Russell, and we'll talk to you before the week's end. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Neighbor, it's always great for me to talk to all these good livestock market operators. I've been doing it for 26 years now, and I appreciate you letting us do it today. From Granny Marble's Kitchen Table on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, it's been Walking the Pins. I'll see you tomorrow. Lean hogs traded higher Wednesday, supported by a reduced supply and strong demand. June lean hogs up $1.82 to $109.80. July lean hogs up $4.42 to $112.42. Block cheese was unchanged Wednesday at $2.24. Barrel cheese was up three quarters of a cent to $2.30. 
dry way was up two and three quarters of a cent to 55 cents. And of course, that does weigh in on our class three milk prices. May class three milk was even at 25.20 a hundred weight. June class three milk down nine cents to 24.48 a hundred weight. We saw double-digit losses in the cotton market on Wednesday. Analysts say trade was impacted by a stronger dollar and the prospect of rain in Texas over the next couple of days. July cotton down 44 points to 138.98. October cotton down 47 points to 130.08. December cotton down 50 points to 122.45. As I mentioned earlier, corn was lower on Wednesday on the prospect of some rain in the corn belt. July corn down 22 and a quarter to 731 and a quarter. September corn down 21 and a quarter to 703 and three quarters. December corn down 20 to 691 and a half. Hard red wheat was also lower Wednesday. July hard red wheat down 37 and a quarter to 1128 and a quarter. September hard red wheat down 36 and three quarters to 1135 and a quarter. July hard red wheat down 37 and a quarter to 1128 and a quarter. July soybeans were up seven Wednesday to 169 and a quarter. July natural gas up 58 cents to 873. August natural gas up 58 cents to 8.72. Crude oil prices rose on Wednesday as leaders over in the European Union agreed to that phased ban on Russian oil. According to Reuters, China also ended its COVID lockdown in Shanghai. July crude oil up 76 cents to 115.43. August crude oil up 98 cents to 112.89. The financial markets fell on Wednesday after some volatile trade. According to Reuters, traders were concerned that the Federal Reserve will keep raising interest rates. The Dow was down 125 points Wednesday to 32,864. The S&P 500 down 18 to 4,114. The Nasdaq down 36 to 12,044. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and we hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.